welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, welcome. This morning we are continuing in a series called Eat This Book, uh, where we have been following the narrative lectionary over this past year, and we have found ourselves in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 20. Uh, We'll be reading verses 19 to 31, and stand, if you are able, for the reading of the word. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Pray with me. God, for eyes to see and ears to hear this morning, the ways that you are at work in our lives And maybe this morning, um, to know you a little more deeper. Uh, In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, So this passage, I feel like I have to give a disclaimer and tell you that this is one of two passages in all of the Bible that has been most significant in my life. Uh, This was actually the first time I ever experienced God speaking to me through the scriptures, Uh, which is kind of a big thing. I mean, most of the time when I read my Bible, I, even to this day, after all of my theological education, it's usually like, what? Um, Interesting, interesting. Uh, So for me to have such a significant moment with the text uh, marks it. And so that really is a lens of mine uh, this morning. Uh, To maybe give a little bit of context Uh, Last week was Easter. Uh, So where we are in the story, Jesus has resurrected. Uh, He has revealed himself to Mary in the garden. Simon Peter and the beloved disciple, uh, which is also known as the author of the Gospel of John, which again is a very strange thing to call yourself, because it's the beloved disciple, not a. Uh, And so they stumble across this empty tomb, and so Obviously, something strange is happening, and and they're aware of that. And throughout the rest of the gospel, Jesus goes and makes these appearances to the rest of his disciples. These men and these women who have been walking with him, 
for the last couple of years, these are the ones who have come to know him intimately as friend and also as Messiah. Uh, and so Messiah simply in Hebrew means anointed one. And in Jewish thought, it was this idea of this figure that God would send to restore the reign of God on the earth and to restore the nation of Israel. And so it goes that when we have expectations around something like that, uh, all sorts of camps of thoughts uh, pop up. And so some thought that this Messiah would come through political power, and others thought that it would he would come to restore national purity. Uh, but really, in its most basic sense, Messiah is this representation and figure of hope, hope for a future. And these disciples came to know Jesus as this Messiah. That's why we gather. Uh, what no one expected is that Messiah would be crucified, is that Messiah would die. And I don't think we can overstate how the disciples are experiencing this part of the story, that hope has died. And it made me think and remember the times in my life when it feels like hope has died. When it feels like you have found the thing and all of a sudden it slips through your hands and you're left with the pieces trying to figure out what on earth it means now. And so yes, Jesus has come and, and revealed himself to these people and yet they're still I mean, I can't imagine, like, the confusion of, of this loss of hope and then all of a sudden these murmurings that, no, he's alive. And so we find ourselves in this passage. The, the disciples are in a locked room for fear of the Jewish authorities because what happens when a significant figure dies and all of a sudden the body is gone? The disciples are the ones suspected, and so they're afraid. And they're in this room... And I get just the funniest picture in my head because you're in the room, you're a little on edge already, you're probably confused, you're grieving, you're emotional, and all of a sudden, bam, Jesus is in the room. <laughs> it must have been terrifying. <laughs> um, and so this is the point where it reminded me of like, does anyone watch Ellen DeGeneres? how she scares all of her guests. Like, they just pop out of things, and it, it is so hilarious. Just YouTube that. Um, but that's, like, the picture I get in my head uh, of this. Um, and usually at this point in the passage, th this is, like, a pretty theologically significant one because scholars start to talk about, uh, well, Jesus obviously came through the doors because it was his resurrected heavenly body, and all of this theory uh, around how this happens. Uh, you also have to keep in mind who the audience uh, that John, the gospel writer, is writing to. And there were ideas that, that Jesus only appeared to be human, and yet John, the gospel writer, is trying to make this argument uh, that, that he was actually human. So you will see all throughout the text references to the physicality of Jesus. So even in John 19, when the spear pokes into his side and water and blood uh, spill out that it's this commentary that, that no, Jesus is actually human. And then there's this part in the passage where, where Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, which is a big deal. And then this, this weird comment about forgiveness and forgiving each other's sins and all of that. 
And so it's significant. And this morning, I just don't care uh, about those ones. What I care about is Thomas. Thomas. Uh, poor guy. Throughout history, he's coined this nickname, Doubting Thomas. And I have had some weird nicknames in my life that don't need to be shared. But Doubting Thomas is just sad. Like, why do you have to speak that over someone? Um, but truly, historically, he's been a figure uh, that has... has um, people have taken huge issues with him. Uh, one commentary I read said this, and I quote, He was downright obstinate. His stupidity was astonishing and monstrous. And he was proud and insulting towards Christ. I mean... <laughs> Can I just say somebody's working out their ish through, issues through a commentary? <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is deep right there. Uh, but many interpret Thomas, this figure, as this skeptical, uh, cold, resistant, faithless uh, person in which John, the gospel writer, is using as an example of what not to do. Because how you should respond to Jesus is like him, the beloved disciple, when he comes to the empty tomb and all he needs to see is the grave clothes and he knows that Christ is risen. And yeah, that's ideal, to be able to see this much and hope in this much. Uh, and yet sometimes I wonder if we can be honest and say that even in matters of faith, sometimes our hard hearts Speak first. Um, so maybe this morning we can look at Thomas, the human, not Thomas, the caricature of a bad disciple. Uh, so when we meet Thomas in our passage, he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first revealed himself. And there are all sorts of reasons that could be. Maybe he had plans, busy guy. Uh, and yet, maybe he was grieving and just needed a minute to be alone. We don't know. The text doesn't say. But what we do know is that his ten friends come up to him with all of the enthusiasm in the world saying, the Lord is risen. We have seen Jesus. And out of Thomas pours this response. And I can just hear the disdain in his voice Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That kind of resistance and emotion and emphatic, vigorous denial, I cannot believe simply comes from a cold and apathetic heart. Thomas is the guy in John 11, when Jesus goes to Lazarus after Lazarus has died. At, at this point in the narrative, Jesus is starting to be a little bit more of a risky figure to be around. People are starting um, to make plans. Uh, and, and Thomas is the one that says, let us go with him so that we may die too. Which, you know, is maybe a little dramatic and negative, but... I don't know, you don't make that kind of statement unless you're all in, right? And so I just don't think we can discount that 
Thomas committed his allegiance and very being to Messiah, to his friend, to his hope, and it died, and it was lost. And so even if this statement in John 20 was made out of a cerebral denial or a hostile skepticism, there's always something underneath that. And for Thomas, I think his heart just hurt, right? And that to hear your friends say, no, he's alive, to put yourself in that place of hope and trust again is to make yourself really vulnerable. Is the, is the carrot being dangled again? So he says this. They go on with their lives. It simmers for eight days, and it's done. I will never believe I mentioned earlier that this was one of those passages for me uh, that truly changed everything. It was one of those moments that you can't go back from. Um, and God spoke to me through the scriptures. It was a time in my life where things were dark and heavy and uh, the foundations crumbled. Uh, can I get a witness? <laughs> Uh, where loss and doubt and pain and questions were like the new normal. Uh, and it's funny because I was in a community of people that just seemed so sure, that just seemed to know so clearly who God was and how God works and, and what God does and, and that God is good and faithful and, and all of these things. And sometimes when you're around that and you're just not, you're just not on that train, uh, it can be really hard because for me, what I brought was a bunch of questions, namely, where are you, God? And if you are so good and if you are so faithful, then why dot, dot, dot? Uh, add that to the first time in my life that I ever really saw injustice in a clear way for others in the world and it just kind of compounded all of these things. And I had lost hope. I was hurt. And so I, I walled myself, and I guarded myself, and I closed myself off. And I, I thought I had built this thing that would protect me and maybe where I was unreachable, um, even by God. And so good or bad... Sometimes that's just what we do when we're hurt. You distance yourself. You put a barrier. Uh, and so maybe the most annoying thing about that time in my life, when, you know, I'm trying really hard to, like, be done with God, um, I was majoring in the Bible. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of hard to avoid when, like, your homework is the Bible and you're a perfectionist and can't fail. So... <laughs> Uh, so I read my Bible, uh, and, and maybe that was an indication that I wasn't quite so lost, but I felt like I was. Uh, so I'm alone in my room, sitting on this just nasty couch. We found it on the side of the road and, like, vacuumed it. <laughs> Thought it was good to go. Uh, but it was very comfortable, so we kept it. Uh, 
so I, I came to this passage, um, and it pierced me to my core. And so we've done this before, uh, where we use our imaginations a little bit. That's the beautiful part about narrative in the scriptures is, like, we can enter the story. And, and so I'd like to maybe spend a few moments in doing that. And uh, so if you will, and feel comfortable, maybe just close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths. Um, imagine you are Thomas, this hard-hearted but tender one. You've said some things you can't take back, but you're not even sure you even want to. You are in the room with the people trying to convince you that everything is okay, and yet it's not. And then hope enters the room, and Jesus is there. And he greets everyone, peace be with you, and turns directly and only to you, looks you in the face and says, put your finger here, see my hands, put out your hand and place it in my side. Stop doubting and believe me, believe me, you don't need to protect yourself from me. You can hope again because I'm alive and I will be what you need me to be. And then something inside you breaks. And out of your mouth pours my Lord and my God. You can open your eyes. I couldn't and still can't help but be affected by this image of God standing in front of us holding out his wounds. And for me, to bring my walled and guarded, seemingly protected self, and then for God to just stand in front of me wearing all of the marks of humanity and letting me touch it if I need to. The wounds uh, this week, like returning to this memory of my life and, and this passage, uh, it was the wounds that always speak to me. That, that's why I'm a Christian, actually, uh, and probably will always be. Um, because what, what the wounds are, Jesus is the God that holds all of the suffering and all of the wounds of the world in himself. All of the suffering and wounding that I have experienced and that you have experienced and that the world is experiencing is held in him. And then add to that also the wounds that I have inflicted and the wounds that you have inflicted and the wounds that we have inflicted all held together in this person. And there he stands just showing us. Nothing will disarm you more than when you truly see the wound of another. And so for me, in this moment, this passage was a moment when I, for the first time, realized that maybe my defenses aren't actually needed here. That maybe, because God showed me his wounds first, I could show mine. 
that those walls and barriers that I built to keep me safe and protected, not only that God would stand before me, but also that God would make a way through it. And not in a way that takes away my free will, but in a way where it's like, oh, I see past that. And I know who you actually are. And I know all of the good in you. And that God would actually come to me in a moment the way I needed him to. It made me want to be all in. Uh, that if that is who God is and that is how God comes to us, I will hope and I will trust again in that one. And what strikes me about this passage and, and really the whole Gospel of John is less about the underwhelming and inadequate responses of the disciples that everyone likes to talk about. And yet, but it's Jesus that keeps coming uh, with this willing posture uh, of, of coming in the way that we actually need individually. And I will be the first to say that I forget so often that God still does care about the individual. Because I grew up, we grew up, we are living in an individualistic culture. And, and sometimes, like, in my feeble attempts to, to fight that and, and to want to be more communal, I forget that, that God still loves and pursues the individual. Because that's the thing about this passage and, and the rest of the gospel is that Jesus comes to each one different. For the beloved disciple, all he needed to see was the grave clothes. And Mary just needed to hear him say her name. And the disciples needed to see him and be in the room with him again. And Thomas needed to touch and engage. And Simon Peter, well, well come to know, he needed breakfast and a conversation. <laughs> and yet the willingness of God to see the individual and to still come to the individual, it just gets me. And I wonder if what we see here in Jesus and all throughout the Gospels isn't the full expression and manifestation of God's love and our attempts at experiencing it and receiving it that this is what love looks like. It is actually a pursuit. And it touches our individual lives and then it ripples out into the community of people. Because that's why we gather, that's why we exist. Because we are hopefully the people that hope for and long for and ache for just a touch and experience of God's love to know that we are known. And to begin our spiritual lives with anything less than this assumption and reality that we are deeply and uniquely loved, and this is both individually and communally as the people of God, I just think we miss it if we don't start there. And that God is seeking us that God's love is pursuing us. And I will be the first to say, it can be really difficult to number one, even comprehend what that means, and number two, 
to experience it when sometimes our realities tell us differently. And sometimes it's really easy and tangible and beautiful. And we wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? <laughs> Occasionally that happens. <laughs> and yet there are other times in life uh, when it's not easy. Sometimes when we've lost hope or when it's dark and we are in despair. And the idea of resurrection sounds like a load of you know what. Um, when you feel that God has given something only to take it back or when God seems far off and quiet or maybe not even real. It can be really hard to know that God is seeking you and wants you to know that you are loved. Uh, I was in Sedona a few weeks ago. Has anyone ever been there? It is simultaneously the most beautiful, quirkiest place I have ever been. Um, I feel like I got time. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Um, so they're like into energies and uh, auras and psychics and also really care about health, which is beautiful and, and wonderful. So I went to this um, place called the Local Juicery, and it was like $10 for vegan cheesecake. Uh, but I still went because I was on vacation. And I was sitting outside drinking my coffee, and the owner comes out, and he's coming around to everybody puts his hand on my back, everyone's back. He's like, how are you? <laughs> Everything okay here? <laughs> I'm like from Minnesota. <laughs> no, I don't know you, I don't know you. <laughs> so it, it was really lovely though. Um, he was very kind and, and the coffee was great. Uh, so I, I was in Sedona, and uh, truth be told, I was maybe bringing in some heavy things. Um, those walls all of a sudden were back, and I felt like I really needed to use this time to work through it and process it, and maybe do a little work with God. Um, so the last morning... I went up uh, for a sunrise, it's beautiful hiking, and so I parked my car and I went up and I, w I was like, okay, we're, we're going to get this done. <laughs> um, and obviously, because it's beautiful, I, I walk up and there's a bunch of people in the most beautiful view, and I don't know why I get, like, I just get salty sometimes, you know, when I'm trying to be alone and have a moment, and there are people. <laughs> So I just went off to like my own little area and it was still beautiful. Um, and there was this moment, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a sunrise in the mountains, um, but the sun and the daybreak happens at all sorts of different times all throughout where you are. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting here and it's like hazy and, and I'm in the shadow of the sun where I'm sitting, but I look to my left and I see this. 
and you can just see this was the first pop of sun. And I was looking at that and taking it in, and this thought came to my mind that sometimes we live so long in the shadows that we forget and maybe are afraid to remember that daybreak happens every morning. And I was sitting there, and truth be told, all of you came to mind. Um, I have the gift and privilege of, of knowing the stories of shadow and daybreak in your lives, and it was so good uh, to experience that. And then I had this other thought that was, God, but I feel like I'm in the shadows. And I don't know that daybreak will come. And I was sitting there, and I look down, and I'm covered in light. And I turn to face forward, and I'm not kidding. The sun is like directly in front of me with where I'm sitting. And you can go to that picture. It's just right there. And it just, I don't, those moments feel so few and far between sometimes where you feel like a place has been prepared and where you feel like God's love is all of a sudden seeking you again. Um, and so I share that because you all need to know that again, too. Um, I experienced the pursuit of God's love in a sunrise. And maybe this morning, you can hold that whether you expect it or not, God's love is still seeking you, that the nature and direction of God's love towards us and for us manifests in all sorts of different ways. And so this morning... We're going to move and maybe shift to a time of response. Uh, we're going to take a few moments of silence um, to maybe let God encounter us uh, continually, and then we're going to move into a time of song. Um, and during this time, you really are invited to posture yourself, posture yourself in the way that you want. And so if that's sitting, if that's kneeling, if that's standing, permission um, and freedom to do that. Our prayer team will be available as well if, if you um, want to receive prayer. Um, pray with me, friends. God, it can be hard to hope and to know that your love is pursuing us. And so with the things that we're holding, God, that maybe you would give us a kind reminder this morning together as we sing and, and are with you in this moment that, that you are still chasing us. Um, pray this in your name. Uh, a blessing 
as you go this morning. For eyes to see the strength of the love that is chasing you. For ears to hear the soft whispers of God, our loving companion. For hearts to hold a love that makes its way through our defenses and safeguards. And for the generosity of spirit to give that to one another. Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.